It's timely. It's insightful. It's motivating. It's empowering. It's time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. Hello, and thanks for tuning into another episode of the Time with Fred podcast. This is a podcast that challenges paradigms and mindsets that hold us back. And speaking of paradigms and mindset, I have a, a, a special guest joining us from Central Illinois in the person of Odile Remert. Here to discuss a topic that I, I feel and believe will be uh, very valuable to, um, to you, our listeners. So stay tuned, don't go anywhere. Um, Odile is a mindset coach and also the author of the book, Change What Happened to You, a very, very catchy, uh, catchy title for a book there. We're going to be diving in here uh, very shortly. But before that, Odile, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Fred. I'm so excited to be here. Pleasure is all mine. So a little bit of background, Odile, um, about you. Can you share with the audience, you know, your background and, and, and what inspires the work that you do? Yes, of course. So uh, toward the end of 2015, at 51 years old, after a lifetime of uh, physical, emotional and uh, financial struggle, I was divorced, depressed, renting a room in a shared house in England, cleaning other people's houses and unable to pay my bills. I also had fibromyalgia and IBS, among other things. And a few months later, uh, during 2016, I not only was I uh, healthier and happier, I was also uh, and able to pay my bills. I was also traveling internationally. And in 2017, I met the love of my life and married him. And we now live in America, which is where I'd always wanted to live. And I do what I love for a living. Um, in 2019, I ended up owning three of the rental properties I used to clean back in 2015. So my life completely changed. And today, I'm very excited to share with you the two main keys that helped me to make that change based on neuroscience. I absolutely love that, Odile. Oftentimes when I interview guests, you know, they it's it's the accomplishments, whether they're authors or whether they're coaches or, or whatever. And and I don't want to mince words in saying that behind those successes there is always a story, right? Behind those um those uh, stars, they're always cars. And, and, and I like how you, you preface it by sharing about some of the, the challenges that you went through yourself, but that didn't define you. That didn't stop you. You were able to use those as stepping stones and, and ended up, um, you know, on the positive side. So I, I love that. And I think if there's anyone who is listening right now, if there's if anyone who's been following, you, you can attest to the fact that there's, there's always a story behind um, the successes, right? It's it's not, they didn't just get where they are um, just because they were born into that particular uh, stage. They had to go through certain steps and learned sometimes very painful life lessons. And so I, I, I love that. Before we, we share or we go into some of those steps, deal, I, I was reading your book and um, uh, you you start you started those this very jarring chapter when you were sitting behind that steering wheel and um, you're about to drive yourself into that brick wall. Uh, can you share a little bit about that? 
because that I feel is such a, a powerful, powerful opening and a significant part of your story and, and, and who you are. Thank you. Yes, Fred. It was um, it was probably the I had a lot of rock bottom moments, but that was a, that was the worst one. Mm-hmm. And what I you know, back then when I was in that state, I had no idea what was going on in my brain. I didn't know what I know now about how the brain works. And I'd got to the point where, um, you know, as I say in the book, it wasn't the physical issues. It wasn't the financial failure. It wasn't the fact that my life hadn't turned out the way I'd wanted it to. It was the fact that I got to that point where I thought there's no hope. Uh, There's no hope and there's no point in even trying because I'd spent my whole life really trying. I, I kind of, you know, I always thought of myself as far from a victim as you can get. You know, I really tried hard and I worked hard and all of that, but it was as if I just wasn't meant to succeed. And so everything I tried failed. And I try, you know, in the book, I list all of the things I tried. And it's a it's a long list. I was going to edit it because I thought, wow, this goes on for a long time. But I thought, no, there are people out there who've tried these things as well. And so I wanted to, um, you know, to give hope to people. And so that moment of being in front of that brick wall and and the timing, you know, that my sister called and that whole um, experience, it's as if I was another person. And I know now why, because of the effect on the brain, the, the effect of stress chemicals on the brain. Wow. You you make the argument, Odile, that um, it's, it's, it's not... And I love the analogy here that you use in the book. You talk about the three different pillars, uh, learning to drive, changing the GPS, and and staying on on the road. Um, Can you kind of break that down? And and you can take this however you want. I know you wanted to talk about some of those lessons, but how how, how does um, these, or how do these three pillars apply to our our our, our personal lives, right, and, and, and the challenges and the upbringing and the experience, and and, and why why those three particular pillars, uh, Odile, as you as you are outlining in your book. Yes, of course. So uh, the, those three pillars are based on what I've learned about neuroscience since um, you know since those years when I when I was struggling, and so the first part of this is you know as as we say. Um, if you wanted, if you think of the end results that you want to achieve, whatever those are, things you wish were different in your life. So that end result is your end destination. And you're going to drive from wherever you are now to that end destination. Now, of course, if you didn't know how to drive, if you didn't know how to drive a vehicle, you wouldn't get very far. Mm-hmm. And um, the equivalent of that is we're not taught to uh to drive our brain and body. You know, we have a lot more control over our brain chemistry than we realize. And so that's learning to drive the vehicle is learning to gain control over your brain and body chemistry so that you're able to notice the opportunities, make the decisions and take the strategic actions that will lead you to that end result. And I'll go into a little bit more detail on that. The second pillar is changing the GPS. So if you were to drive from the city to the beach, um, but your GPS was still set for the city, of course, every time you start heading towards the beach, it would turn you round round and guide you back to the city. So you have to change the GPS to match the destination you want to get to, not the destination you're at or have been before. And the 
equivalent of that is uh, implicit childhood memory. So unconscious, uh, also known as non-declarative childhood memories are the the brain's GPS coordinates. And so as we, well, after we're born, we as we experience the world and life, the brain uh, registers, it absorbs and, and um, uh, gives meaning to things that we experience. And that's how our self-image and worldview is formed. And that's the foundation of who we are and how the world works. And then moving forward, the brain is constantly referring back to that information to determine how how do I normally react in this situation? And that's why, you know, we can people can press press our buttons, we can get triggered about things, and we we consciously think, oh, I don't know why I feel like that. It's because there's a reference in childhood that proves that this is the way to react. I absolutely love pillar number two, which is changing the GPS, because for me, and I've always um as, a, as someone who subscribes to uh, this this, um, uh, this this thought process, if if you if we could call it that way, it's 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 really underscoring the fact that there is some level of ownership or accountability in where we end in life. There are those who believe that you know it's it's Kesara, Sara, whatever will be will be. There is no need to put any skin in the game. Just kind of ride ride the waves. And you know, I've always said that. You know, if, if that's what, if you have no destination, no coordinates, then wherever life leads you is, 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 is where you're going to end up. Um, but I love the fact that, um, as I mentioned before, there is this level of responsibility. Why is that, why is that important, Odile, in your, in your experience as a, as a, as a thought leader um, on, this, on this particular sub subject? Why is it important for us to kind of have that skinning the game and be intentional about changing the coordinates on that GPS and not just allow life to drift wherever, <laughs> wherever it may. <laughs> right. Well, of course, and there's nothing wrong with allowing it to drift. If you, you know, if that's what a person likes to do, absolutely. You know, if you're happy, if you're happy and you have the results you want, then absolutely continue doing that. So, but if you are not getting the results you want, then Rather than looking outside of yourself to try and make the outside change, looking to other people, relying, being at the mercy of other people, circumstances, events beyond your control, you can instead change the the implicit childhood memories in you. So we can't control other people. There are all kinds of things that are out of our control, but what we can control or what we can learn to gain control over is our own experience of those people and those things. And our experience of things, of everything, is determined by our self-image and worldview. And each person's self-image and worldview is completely unique and individual based on their own life experiences up until then. Yes, couldn't agree with you more. And then you also have... Um, the last part there that, that you mentioned about, you know, the childhood experiences. And I, I want to make the point that I, I realized that for some those childhood memories or upbringing, it's, it's very painful, right? I mean, I've had guests on the podcast who um, had very difficult childhood memories. There were some who were abused. There were some who 
um, went through very, very challenging situations. And so for them, it's safer for them to just file those in some type of a mental cabinet and, and not visit that at all because it brings bad, very painful memories. And so they'd rather not go there at all. How do you respond to that? How, how, how can that, can we, can we even minimize that at all? I mean, it's, I mean, it varies from individual to individual, right? For some, it may not be as intense as others, but uh, your response to that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and here's the thing, as you say, it's, it varies from individual to individual. So trauma is experienced by different people in different ways. And, you know, for one person's trauma, for some, for, for one person, something will be very traumatic and another person it won't have the same effect and all of that is depends on what reference yeah. references they have from childhood but the the key here is that pushing it away or not going there mm -hmm. doesn't make it go away it's still there so that's like you know driving along and your gps is still set for the city and it you know ignoring it is not going to make it change or not be constantly still directing you in that you know back to where you were and so everything we experience everything we experience is based on those childhood memories whether we consciously choose to to address them or not they're still you know they're still affecting us yeah and, and, and how are some of the ways um, uh, you, that, that you, in your own experience, in your in your personal life, and also experience coaching others in doing this? How, how does one even begin to to change that? If that's how um, you know you, you want to tackle this, I mean, if you want to go back and reference any steps or, or concepts in your book, please feel feel free to do that. Of course. Well, I, I'll address this first, yeah. um, uh, since you've asked. And the to begin with, the, the way to, to start with this is there's three main questions to mm -hmm. ask yourself. The first question is, so when you're addressing a particular issue, you ask yourself, number one, how do I know this is a problem? How do I know this, this exists or what's the worst thing about it? The second question is, how does that feel? And then the third question is, where in my childhood did I feel that feeling, but it may be a different topic? You're just, you're looking for the same feeling. And I'll give you an example from my own um, experience. Uh, so when I addressed my money issues, so my pattern, my money patterns were, I was always trying to um, make more money or, you know, adjust my budget. I was trying to get into a position where I could pay my bills. And um, my pattern was I was always, I always ended up in a position where I didn't have enough money to pay my bills. So I would get, you know, if I earned more money, my car would break down or I would get ill. Something would always happen to bring me back into that state. And so my answers to those questions. So how do I know it's a problem? Well, I don't have enough money to pay my bills was the answer. The second question, um, how does that feel? And of course, it, it'll feel different for different people. For me, it felt like they want something of me and I can't give it to them. And I want to give it to them, but I don't have it to give to them. And then the third question, uh, where in my childhood did I feel that feeling? The answer was my entire childhood, and it was about expectations, had nothing to do with money. 
it was my par- my my mother and grandparents wanted me to be something that I couldn't be. Mm. I just didn't have it to give them. It was that feeling. Mm. So that's how you find those p- specific references that are supporting particular issues. So it, it sounds deal to me that there's got to be uh, you got to peel back the onion right so to speak until you identify the root cause of the other problem you can't just gloss over it you can think it or wish it or you know whatever it is that we do these days with positive thinking not that it's anything bad with positive thinking right there's some very good um you know thought leaders out there but it sounds to me that we've got to do do the or come face to face with 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 a problem. You, you mentioned in your book, you make a reference here, which I like so much that in order to be able to change the brain's coordinates, there you you you, you have to change the emotions behind it, right? If, if there's a negative emotion behind it, and I think you made this analogy about painting the front door and, and seeing, you know, I want you to touch on that a little bit because I think that's a very powerful concept. Yes, absolutely. So a lot of people, you know, sort of go, but how you can't change memories, because that's what really happened. And the answer to that is, first of all, is that uh, neuroscience now knows that not only can memories be changed, they're already changing. So memories are already updating. Memories are not stored in a particular place in the brain. They're stored as bits of data throughout the brain. And as we recall a memory, that data is being pulled together like a jigsaw puzzle in that moment. And it is changed and updated every time we do that. And then the new version is filed. So, um, so, so in the first instance, it's, it's understanding that you can change. Memories are already changing. We absolutely can change memories. The other piece to really uh, to, to understand is that we have the conscious mind. So we, we consciously know things and we, we recall things and, and we have declarative memory. And then we have the unconscious part of the brain that has no ability to use logical reason, can't judge something as unrealistic and can't tell the difference between reality and imagination. And we know that when, you know, when you go to see a horror movie, <laughs> um, your brain and body go into the same state as if you're in, um, you know, you're in physical danger, even though your conscious mind knows it's just a movie. So that's why we can change the memories. So, if you if you take a deep and your listeners can follow along with this, if you take a deep breath and close your eyes and think of your front door, and whatever color your front door is, imagine that it's white. Mm-hmm. And if if it's not white, imagine it is white. And now imagine your front door is blue. And if you can't just imagine it as blue, t- imagine taking out a pot of blue paint and painting it blue. Now imagine it's red, now yellow, now put some purple flowers on it. Mm. And you can probably do, you can open your eyes, <laughs> and you uh, you can probably do that because you don't have any emotional connection to your front door, to changing the color of your front door. And here's the thing, if you were to continue imagining your front door purple, for example, eventually your brain would consolidate that memory And when you think of your front door, purple is the first thing that would come to your mind. Then you would be able to go, oh, yeah, I know it's not purple. I I changed that memory. So we change the unconscious memories, but we still consciously know what originally happened. Uh, Of course, the difference between changing the color of your front door and a negative memory 
uh, something bad that happened is the emotions attached. So as you recall that negative memory, so your brain pulls that data together, it also triggers a chemical reaction, a chemical response of stress chemicals. So you feel the negative emotions. And that's what stops us from just changing it like we can change the front door or learn a new phone number or learn the times table is those stress chemicals in the system creating that those negative emotions. So we use our process to bring down the level of stress chemicals first and use feel-good chemicals like endorphin, serotonin, and oxytocin to change that chemical state. And then you reimagine, you create the new memory and establish it um, so that your brain prioritizes it for long-term memory. This is why the, the brain or the mind is such a very powerful thing, right? As a man thinketh, so is he or she, um, right? I, 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 can't, I can't agree with you more here. Cause I, I mean, I, I, I believe in this. I, I subscribe to it. I, I guard um, my mind. I mean, it's, 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 it's a spiritual law. It's a physical law. It's a fundamental law of life, right? So I, I can definitely relate. So, so Adil, where does one start, right? Someone is listening <laughs> and we're talking about all this thing and like, okay, how do I even start to change what happened to me? Yes, very good question. And so um, the the techniques and the step-by-step um, tools and everything that we teach are in our book, Change What Happened to You, and um, which is available on Amazon and Audible and everywhere else books are sold. But um, I do have our ebook. So the ebook version of our book, so it's the full book, it's just in a PDF format. I have that for your listeners for free That's if awesome. they would like to take advantage of that. And so to answer your question where to start, it would be reading the book. And so, you know, the the book shares um, the science behind it for those who are interested. It also um, has some of my story and Steve's story. So my husband, Steve, and I wrote the book together. Um, We share um, examples from our clients and it's got the step-by-step exactly what to do. So where does, um, and and I want to ask this, um, Odile, there, um, I think just going back to that um, pillar number three, right? It's it's you know mm-hmm. it's 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 difficult. I I, I don't want to do it, and um, you know <laughs> it's, it's not as easy as it sounds. And you know you have no idea, you know how the experience that I went through, and we and these are all excuses, right? That that we all come up with as to why we don't want to. Um, but then we want to blame someone. We want to blame, you know, life. We want to blame the perpetrator of whatever. Um, but that not wanting to take that that responsibility. Yes, it happened to us. Yes, life was unfair. But ultimately, the part that we don't want to accept or or, or come to grips with is the fact that there's some there's some level of ownership right if we really want to change the script or flip the script or or change what happened to us yes we're not downplaying or or glossing over or undermining you know what happened to us but but this is our lives like you rightly mentioned it's it's a choice we can either decide to stay where we are or we can either decide to do something about it but most of the time we choose not to, but then we want to blame something, whether the economy, the government, the dog, the cat, the ex-husband, or, or whatever, right? We find we find to blame. 
in your experience coaching, you know, clients, not that we're, you know, we want to want to, we're not, you know, speaking specifically about any client per se, I know there's ethics and things like that, but what, what have you seen as a trend or what are some of the challenges and, and how do you help clients through that? That's such a great question, Fred. And, you know, as I think one of the things that's, that is helpful to remember is that the human brain is designed to stay the same. Mm. And so all the resistance that we get, so that that feeling of, oh, I don't, I, I don't feel like it, or I don't have time, or it, all the reasons we come up with for not taking action or not, you know, um, making certain decisions, that kind of thing. It's normal. It's it's a it's a part of our survival system. So the brain is trying to keep us in alignment with the way we've always been in order to stay safe, to keep us safe. We may not be happy. We may not have the money we want or the relationship we want or the health we want, but we're still alive. <laughs> so and that's the end goal of the of the unconscious part of the brain is to keep us alive. So in order to get the changes we want, we need to override that. We need to, um, you know, acknowledge it and go, yes, okay, so I don't feel like doing it, but I'm going to do it anyway because I want that end result. Or if it feel if it's the resistance is really strong, we have lots of different tools to overcome that resistance. Something to bear in mind with blame, you know, it it is important to acknowledge that should not have happened. That I should not have been treated that way. That should not have happened. It wasn't fair. It's good to acknowledge that and go, you know, yes, that's true. And now, what am I going to do? Now that I have the power to make these changes myself, inside myself, am I going to take that? Am I going to take advantage of that? And so um, one of the things I say is that blame doesn't empower. And this is all about self-empowerment. So, you know, if you're you're driving along and your GPS has been set for a terrible neighborhood, so you've been driving around this terrible neighborhood trying to get out, and but you've been kept there because your GPS was like that. When someone points out, hey, you just need to change the G, this is change the GPS for a different neighborhood, and then you can go out. So you can say, yeah, this was not my fault. Absolutely. I didn't program my GPS. So we didn't program our childhood memories. But now that I have the choice to change it, that's what will get me to where I want to be. So it's, you know, acknowledging and then moving forward. So you're not denying anything. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with you there. How about that? Um, and you talked about resistance here. And I think there's, there's, um, there's, there's, there's tricky part to it. Okay, so so they, they decide to make the change and they 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 set on this path, whether it's towards you know healthy eating or, or exercising or, or dieting or, or whatever that endeavor may be, and, and that they, you know we try once or twice and, and we run into obstacles and we're like okay, well, see at least I, I tried and I told you this wasn't going to work, right? How do we overcome that inertia, right, to keep going over and over again, even when we're running into um, you know, those, those obstacles and very valid ones to our my app, right? Absolutely. And, and again, you know, I always feel the first step is acknowledging and answering using the conscious mind. So, you know, if, if we, for example, let's say I, I try something 
and I don't, you know, it doesn't work for me. And I go, you see, I knew it wouldn't work. Nothing ever works for me. Mm -hmm. So now I want to answer that. (laughs) You don't want to just go along with it. Yeah, that's terrible. Oh, well, (laughs) and here we go. So you want to go, okay, imagine you've got a child with you. And we effectively do have a child with us all the time. And it's the little us. It's the part of us that is still the child. And it's that child that is doubting, that is feeling not good enough, that is feeling frightened or anxious. And what we tend to do is we tend to agree and join in with the child. So when that part of us goes, I'm not good enough, uh, no one cares, we go, go, yeah, isn't that terrible? Hey, look how bad you are. (laughs) We don't want to do that to the child. How would you answer a a child that was with you or a a loved one, a, a friend? Would you, you know, if a friend said that to you, well, look, I always try this and it never, nothing ever works for me. Would you agree with them? Or would you say, no, come on, you can do it. Take a little break and then you can have another go. Let's find a way to make it work. And um, one of the analogies I use is if you're riding a bicycle, you're learning to ride a bicycle and you fall off, you don't just stay on the ground, go, well, I'll never ride a bicycle. You go, okay, I'll take a little break and I'll get back on. The same with learning a musical instrument or any skill. Just because you have not managed so far doesn't mean you never will. It's finding, okay, so, you know, getting into a strategic state of mind and and going, okay, so which bits do I need help with? What can I do to troubleshoot? What charge then do we have, Odile, if any, at all, if we find someone in that situation, in this case, if we're a parent and we have a child who's struggling or growing up, maybe dealing with some of those challenges or, or, or a sibling, you know, watching the other sibling struggle or a friend watching the other friend struggle, how important is that, uh, is a role we, we play, right? The role that we play, whether we're, you know, helping them out of that or maybe, encouraging them or maybe urging them on how important is that role in in helping you know the other party who may be dealing with some of these challenges you think yes of course and the first thing i want to say is of course if anyone is any is in a suicidal state of mind or there's any danger at all Mm. of course you know call the appropriate um professionals that is very very key so suicide hotline or or whatever you have available um and reach out for help where you need it um apart from that or in addition to that uh it always starts with the self so it makes sure that you've got your own mask on before you help someone else like they do on the plane um so you can't give what you don't have. So the key is to make sure that you are in a uh, compassionate state mm-hmm. rather than in an empathetic state or a sympathetic state or feeling worried or that kind of thing. So making sure that you get into that strong, uh, compassionate state. And we teach, you know, how to get into a state of unconditional love because that strength and then you are there to help someone else so um and the way you know it we can't make other people do anything the best we can do is offer or make sure that they know what the options are and then respect their choice and that's one of the most difficult lessons i learned as i made all these changes myself there were people who i care about 
who just, you know, it wasn't what they wanted to do. And I had to learn to respect that and, and to choose to have that approach rather than judging it or feeling, oh, you should, or you, you know, um, so I see it as if it's cold and it, so everybody's cold and I found coats. <laughs> and so I know where the coats are. And I say to the, the other person, look, there are coats over there. You can get a coat. I can show you how to get one or I can get one for you. And if that person says, I don't believe in the coats or it's too far to get the coats, I don't want a coat for whatever reason, then my role is to go, fair enough. I love you anyway. And you know where they are if you want them. If you need it, you just let me know. But I'm going to be with you exactly as you are. I don't need you to change. You can't take people where they're not willing to go, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Before we get into the resources, Odile, uh, we could talk about this all day, but I want to be respectful <laughs> of time here. Um, this is something that I typically do, uh, Odile, and I ask my, my guests, there's, there's someone, you know, listening um, to us right now and um, finding who may be dealing with some very painful childhood memories, whether it's guilt or any physical abuse, whatever. Um, I want you to just really just address that person, however you feel, um, you know, let, let to do that. Um, they, they're listening and they need some help or whatever, and now they're like, I'm not sure. Um, I, I want you to just speak freely to them, Odile, as, as you feel that. Of course, absolutely. And so the thing to the first thing to remember is that wherever you are now and whatever you're going through, no matter what it looks like, there is a way out. Mm. It you may not be able to see it from where you are, but that doesn't mean it's not there. So if you imagine you're you're walking along, you, we can't see around corners. So if you're going somewhere and there's a bend, there's a corner, you can't see around it. That doesn't mean there's nothing there. So sometimes it, it we can only see it when we get there. So reach out for help. That's, that is key. And um, an important piece to remember as well is that generally when we're in a really down state, we don't feel like reaching out for help or it feels there's no point. And I've been there so much myself. Um, I completely understand it. Uh, do what you can. Love it. And before we wrap up, I wanted to share, um, I know you've been gr gracious enough to um, offer the, the free PDF of your book. Where do our listeners go to find this and also to learn about you and the work that you do? Um, someone you know wanted to reach out, maybe want to take this that next step further. Uh, where, where do they go for that information? Yes, of course. So if you go to theremetmethod.com, so that's uh, the, and then our name is spelled R-E-M-M-E-R-T method.com forward slash podcast gift, all one word. And there you'll be able to fill in your, uh, the email address that you'd like us to send uh, the ebook to. And you'll, that is on our, our website. Our website is theremitmethod.com. So you can find all kinds of resources on there. We're also on YouTube. So we've got quite a lot of videos on YouTube um, sharing, all, all, you know, our techniques and, and uh, talking about various topics as well. And I'll make sure we have this in the uh, show notes as well um, for, um, for our listeners. Odile, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This are really valuable lessons and I, I've gotten quite a bit out of it as well. And I, I trust that our 
listeners, wherever you are, wherever you are in life, have gotten something uh, great out of it. Um, the title of the book has changed, What Happened to You? It's Anywhere Books Are Sold. And if you want to reach out to uh, Odile, maybe you want to take this a step further, feel free to, feel free to visit her website. It's theremmetmethod.com. It's the R-E-M-M-E-R-T method.com. And it's going to be on your show notes as well. Odile, anything else you want to share that I didn't ask that you wish your audience uh, know before we wrap this up? Uh, just thank you so much, Fred. I really have, I've loved this conversation. It's wonderful. And um, yeah, we, we love answering questions. So reach out to us. We're also on social media. Um, you know, we're here for you. All we'll of you. Thank you so much, Odile, again, and to our listeners. We appreciate you tuning in. Until next time, stay well.